What's going on, everybody? I'm Justin, and today I am joined, as always, by the person who puts the laughter in manslaughter. Oh, gosh. My wife, Katie. No. <laughs> I don't want to put laughter in manslaughter. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, say what you want. There is there's laughter in manslaughter. Uh, I didn't make the spelling. Gosh. Katie, how are you? I'm good. You ready to get into it? Yes. Alrighty, well before we get into it, just want to remind you guys that you can find us on Instagram and on Twitter. Katie, what is our Instagram? Um, to have and to homicide. So you can find us there at to have and to homicide. You can find us on tw on Twitter at thth podcast. Let's get into it. <laughs> So this week, uh, as most of you can tell by the title, we're going to go out and do the uh, the Delphi murders. It's a pretty notable case um, that began in 2017. Katie, I'm, I know that you're familiar with it, but you haven't read into it. No, I haven't. Um, well, it takes place in this city called Delphi, Indiana. Delphi is a very small town of about 2,945 people. Um, Delphi is roughly the same size as Lakewood, South Carolina. You know where Lakewood is? Um, nope. How about Williston? Yes. Okay, so it's about the same size as Williston. Okay. It's about 500 more people than Loris. <laughs> that, okay, I got that one. So it's a pretty small area. Yeah. Um, so, the you know, the most famous people to originate from Delphi are a guy named, it's an American wrestler named Dick the Bruiser. That's a terrible name. Um, he was in the AWA, so this was a while ago. Um, and then there was a frontier lawman by, by the name of Bob Olinger, who was believed to be the final victim of the famous outlaw Billy the Kid. Oh, cool. So some fun facts about Delphi, Indiana, but neither of these guys are the most famous people out of Delphi anymore, unfortunately, because mm -hmm. um, some major things happened that began on February 13th, 2017. And so I'm going to go through a lot of background information going into this. Okay, I'm ready. Um, so we're going to have to go piece by piece throughout February 13th, 2017, 14th and 15th. Okay. Um, so bear with me. There's a lot to go into, a lot to like, a lot to do to set the stage. And then mm -hmm. we'll kind of get into some very interesting stuff and especially some more recently interesting stuff too. Uh, Cause it's not very often with a case like this where it is unsolved that we actually have very recent developments, like last week, recent <laughs> developments in this case. Yeah. Um, so we'll go ahead and get into it. Uh, are the story behind the Delphi murders begins with 13 year old Abigail Williams, who goes by Abby and 14 year old Liberty German, who goes by the name Libby. Uh, they decided to have a sleepover at Libby's house on the night of February 12th because they did not have school the next day in honor of Abe Lincoln. 
so they had their had their uh, had themselves like a little bit of a slumber party there. Uh, Libby's older sister Kelsey hung out with them a little bit too. She was a little bit older, but she liked having fun with them. Uh, Kelsey has mentioned since then she's huge advocate for her sister. Wants to know who did it. She's like all over podcasts, all over Twitter, um, and she's mentioned just in passing uh, on multiple different podcasts, things like that, that they had themselves like a movie night, ate some pizza. Uh, Kelsey also mentioned that they painted a sign that said chocolate. Oh, I love it. And made a bunch of goofy movies. Oh, that just like brings back memories of like movie sleepovers. Yeah, typical teenager stuff, right? Yeah. Um, I don't, I'm very curious to know the story behind the chocolate. <laughs> Why just the word chocolate? I'm just... Not that it's weird. I'm just curious. I just want to know how they came to that conclusion. As um, as a kid, when I had a sleepover once, I made a, like a movie, like a reenactment of the Jonas Brother SOS music video, and it's one of the top highlights of my life. <laughs> I've seen this SOS music. Video. I showed it to you. Fantastic. Yeah. Me with my Walkman slider, thinking <laughs> I'm like. Cool I've, stuff. I'll also think I've seen where y'all put together the bloopers of this SOS video. Oh, that's right, because I yeah, I talk funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, continue. I'm sure nobody even noticed until you said funny, and your accent poked through on it. Bloopers. I remember that. So uh, the next day, uh, February 13th, Abraham Lincoln's birthday. They're off school. Uh, they're over hanging out with Libby's grandmother, who goes by the name of Becky. Um, she was filing some paperwork. She has like a home appraisal business that she does. Uh, so she was getting, doing some paperwork and she says, Hey Libby, Hey Abby, if you go, if you girls help me get this stuff filed away, help me get this stuff taken care of. I'll give you some cash and take it to the mall. Um, and because they're human and that sounds like an awesome deal, they took it. And so they were, uh, you know, they started off pretty early that morning. They had themselves a nice pancake breakfast and then helped file paperwork till around one o'clock. Um, before they were going to go to the mall, they asked uh, Libby and Abby, asked Becky if they could go to a place called the Monin High Bridge Trail. Okay. Uh, which is like a very long name for a trail, but it's got what used to be the Monin High Bridge as a main staple of it. Uh, given that this is a very small town, there's not much to do there. So this trail is kind of like a hot spot for people to just go hang out and spend time. Um, Libby's grandmother, Becky, agrees to let them go if they can arrange their own ride. Like, she's busy. Mm -hmm. She's got her business that she's running. Um, and they're like, all right, bet. We'll get a ride. And so um, Libby's older sister, Kelsey, drives them to the park. Um and her dad, Libby's dad, Derek, agrees to pick them up from the park. So now Derek was kind of out and about taking pictures for Becky's business. He was, you know, getting pictures of home so that she could appraise them. Um, so it's just so, like a trail. There's like no. It's just like nothing. a walking trail, a pretty, pro a pretty popular walking trail. Okay. Um, that just so happens to have the Monin High Bridge as a part of it. How old did you say they were? Uh, so Abby is 13 and Libby is 14. Okay. So they're still both pretty young, but yeah. they're not, it's not like you're sending a 10 year old yeah, yeah. off to go walk the trail. Yeah. Um, so 
Kelsey, Libby's older sister, drives them over there, drops them off. Uh, they expect, like Derek said, yeah, I'll come pick your girls up. I'll give you a call when I get close. Y'all come meet me at this exit. And then they're like, okay, that's awesome. We can do that. So they drop them off. Um, they were dropped off around 1.40 that afternoon. Um, we know this because Kelsey took a call from her boyfriend around 1.38 with them still in the car. Okay. Um, so they dropped them off at around 1.40. Uh, and then everything kind of goes quiet for about 25 minutes. Um, we're not sure what happens in the 25 minutes, but at around 2.05, Libby uploads a photo of the Monon High Bridge to her Snapchat. Um, and she also put up a video of Abby walking on the bridge as well. You know, typical social media stuff. Yeah. Like you're at a place that's fairly photographed a whole bunch. You take pictures, you put them up on your Snapchat, up on your Instagram, whatever. Uh, pretty normal stuff. Uh, so investigators were able to uncover several videos of someone in the background of a video on Libby's phone with jeans and a blue jacket with a brown stocking cap. That's creepy. With this case, this video and the pictures right here are very, very popular. Mm -hmm. um, very, a lot of people who have looked into this case know the exact video and the exact photos that I'm talking about. We will have them up on our social media accounts when this releases. Okay. Um, they didn't notice them in the photos? So in the photos that they necessarily put up, he was like way off in the distance, but they kind of kept walking for a while and like noticed that this guy was kind of following them. And so uh, they took a couple of pictures with him, like they took a couple of pictures with him and then end up kind of like holding their phone in a way and they were walking and talking. So there's a video of him walking behind them and they're just kind of talking casually uh, you can kind of, you can kind of figure that, you know, maybe they were sketched out. They just didn't want to seem like they were sketched out. So they're like, we're going to take this video right here. Mm -hmm. uh, this guy has been famously known as BG or bridge guy. Um, there's a lot of these types of very vaguely named people Bridge guy in this case. So Found they superhero say, name. They get a video of Bridge Guy walking, and they have a couple of pictures of Bridge Guy as well that they kind of just took because they're like, this dude's kind of creepy. We're going to take a picture of him. We're going to take a video of him. Um, Can and I look then, it up? Look up the picture? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Absolutely. Um, and so these phone, these these were all on Libby's phone. Um, and Carroll County Sheriff Toby Lesenby, who is like the the main guy that everybody associates with this case uh, mentioned that the girls likely took a few photos of him for fun and then took the video because they may have been uncomfortable. Um, the photos, like I said, are very famous. If you Google Google Delphi murders, you're probably going to see a picture of Abby and Libby and you're probably going to see bridge guy. Um, so everything, you know, this happens at two Oh five. And then from there, we're not sure what happens. Um, until 311. Uh, Derek calls the girls to let him know that he's getting close to the trail to pick him up. And Libby didn't answer her phone. What time was that? This was at 311. So the pictures were posted at 205? 205. Okay. Um, and then radio silence until 311. Derek tries to call him, doesn't get an answer. Um, 
He at three fourteen he arrives at the bridge and again calls Libby and again receives no answer. Um, so he begins walking the trail and runs into a man that is now identified as Flannel Shirt Guy. That's enough. That's, um, so Flannel Shirt Guy is different than Bridge Guy. Yes, because Bridge Guy, as you saw, did you find the photo? Yeah, found the photo. Was not wearing flannel. He yeah, was wearing a blue He's, shirt. Yeah, and a hat. And a hat. So um, this is flannel shirt guy. Flannel shirt guy is very notable for being like the first witness to the scene. Well, um, if he was a witness, then why does he have a name? I mean, you can be a witness and not be identified publicly, especially with this case. You will learn very quickly that the investigators for this case tell you absolutely nothing. Hmm. Um, okay. So flannel, sh- uh, he runs into flannel shirt guy. That'd be a good nickname for you. <laughs> Flannel shirt guy? Yeah, all you wear flannels. Oh, gosh. (laughs) So Derek, the dad, Libby's dad, arrived to pick him up, runs into flannel shirt guy, asks him if he's seen two girls. Unfortunately, he has not. Um, Now, there, so there's two parts to this trail. There's the 501 and the 505. The 501 is like like the whole entirety of the trail. And the 505 is like a very small sliver of the trail. It kind of branches off of it for a short distance and comes back. Uh, he kind of, so he shows up at an entrance that's like right across from the 505. So he like takes off down the 505, comes back up. They're not there. Um, so like I said, Derek searched the small 505. And then around 3.30, Derek calls Becky to let him know that he cannot find the girls, nor can he get in touch with them. Um, and then Becky, the grandmother, and Libby's aunt Tara, who has arrived over there with Becky, now begins blowing Libby's phone up. Okay. Still no response. Hmm. Um, at 520, so now we're going from like 3:30 to 520. Okay. Um, on the evening of the 13th, after searching for two hours alongside Tara. Libby's aunt, Kelsey, Libby's older sister, Derek, Libby's dad, Becky, the grandmother, and Becky's husband, Mike, as well as Libby's uncle, Cody, have been searching up and down this thing, calling Libby left and right. They file a missing persons report. They're like, we cannot find these two girls. They were here on the trail. They're not here anymore. So where's the other girl's family at? We'll get to that. Okay. Uh, at 525, Becky is able to get in touch with Abby's mother, Anna. Okay. <laughs> Next. Uh, Anna was at work. She was finally able to get in touch with her, fills her in on what's going on. And then Anna, Becky, and Mike, Becky's husband, meet at the police station to huh. finish up what they got to do with this missing persons report. Okay. Um, by six o'clock, a large search party has come to the aid of the Carroll County Sheriff's Department. Dude, that's like the best town ever. Like really, you know, stuff travels fast in yeah. a small town. Uh, I'm sure everybody, I'm sure people in that town knew exactly who Libby German and Abigail Williams were. Yeah. Or at least knew who their parents were and went for it. Or yeah. at least heard that two teenage girls have gone missing on this trail and went for it. Uh, so at six o'clock, they've all gathered at the sheriff's department. Uh, the Del- so that sheriff's department, the Delphi police, and the Delphi fire station, as well as this big search party, are now out going looking for these girls at and six is, o'clock. 
And this is just four hours after. Yeah. The photo was posted. Yes. Okay. Darn. Yes. And then they use the fire station as a rendezvous point. So like Aww. when everybody, it's like, if you can't find them here, come meet back here. We'll reconvene and figure out what's going on. Mm -hmm. uh, they search until midnight. Wow. And then at midnight, the search is postponed to the morning due to obvious health concerns for the searchers. It's a, it's wooded area. It's pitch dark. You mm -hmm. can't see anything. Um, there were some citizens who did not give two craps so they called the search off and kept searching. I'm sure. Um, props to those guys. And then a little afternoon on Valentine's day, a volunteer yelled about having found a shoe. Okay. Um, so this is the next day. Yeah. Around noon, a volunteer found a shoe. Uh, Kelsey, the older sister, uh, mentioned on the infamous indie podcast, uh, that she confirmed that it was the same type of shoe that Libby was wearing. Whoever yelled, it's like, I found this type of shoe. What kind of shoes was she wearing? And Kelsey yelled back and they're like, yeah, this is the shoe. Uh, so they were able to find a little bit of something there. And then an anonymous searcher was actually filming some deer on a private land nearby. Okay. Uh, I guess, you know, you kind of, you're searching, you're searching. And then like, oh, deer. Oh, deer. Yeah, that'd be me. So he pulls his phone out. He's filming the deer and then points the camera downward and finds them both on camera. Wait, it finds Abby and Libby uh, finds their bodies on camera. So like he just didn't notice that. Well, you, you know, some, you know, sometimes you just get like really focused on one thing and then you're like, what is that underneath there? Oh my gosh. And then you realize that is that's horrific. Two dead teenage girls so, on the bank of a river. They have like this, live reaction like i said there's not a lot of public things here there is nothing like the investigators for this case are very picky about what they release to the public mm, that's fair so this guy was looking for a deer and then finds abby and libby and how far like, away Guys, i found them was this from where they were originally uh so there is a creek that kind of runs adjacent to the trail. Uh -huh. They were about 50 feet from this creek. So this guy kind of took them, took them away from the trail, uh, downhill a little ways, and then did what he had to do there. So like pretty close. It's pretty close to the trail, but it, it is a wooded area. Okay. So it's hard to see what's going on. Um, and a set of footprints finally is kind of what led them down to how they got down there. They found footprints leading down to the bodies. Um, like I said, Carroll County Sheriff's Department has kept a lot of information secret about this case. The cause of death isn't even public information. It's really? very widely speculated. Only the people, like only close family and maybe some people at the funeral know what actually happened to these girls. Um, there were rumors, there's rumors that circulated that I'm not confirming are true or not. And I don't want to like spread anything, but this is information that I have, you know, I've listened to, I've listened to true crime garages podcast on this one, uh, looked at message boards on this one, but there were rumors circulated that Abby and Libby both wore scarves at their funerals. 
which oh, typically man. when that happens, that means that their throats were cut. Oh, gosh. Like I said, it's just hearsay because nobody knows the yeah. actual cause of death except for investigators and the families. So it was open casket? That'd be my guess, yeah. Oof. So, and then like fake photos also were released of, of, of them in their caskets too, which is freaking messed up if you fake a photo of two oh teenage girls gosh. to share that around. Anyway, police have treated this as a double homicide since day one. Like right out the get-go, they double homicide. Obviously. Um, police public information officer Kim Riley answered reports to how they knew it was a homicide, and she said it was just the way the bodies were found. Yeah. Is all the good. information that they would give. Um even now, there's very little information about the crime scene. What we do know is that the girls were found and that there was a, a suspicious vehicle parked at an abandoned building near the trail from around noon to around five. Mm -hmm. They also know the killer brandished some sort of weapon, but like I said, we don't know the cause of death, so I don't, I'm not sure if it's a knife, gun, hatchet, anything. Um, and like I said, the theory was that they wore scarves at the funeral. It could have been a knife. Mm. But that's really all that we know about this. Yeah. Carroll County Sheriff's Department has uh, read the wrong line. Um, <laughs> my bad. Um, before we get into additional details and suspects about this, I want to talk about the two young ladies and what we know about them. Um, Libby was an eighth grade student at Delphi Community School, Community Middle School. Uh, she played about every sport that they had to offer, uh, was a volleyball player, soccer player, softball player, played alto saxophone, and was a swimmer. Um, she was also preparing for the academic bowl. She was a very smart young woman. Uh, one report from the Indy Channel mentioned that Libby would leave encouraging sticky notes for people. Aww, um, one she left for her grandmother, Becky, uh, which there's actually a photo of the sticky note said, I love you. Thanks for, in all caps, everything you do for me and Kelsey, Aww. her older sister. Uh, her grandfather, Mike, in the same piece from the Indy Channel also mentioned that he once gave her $10 for a school function and she gave her change to someone else who didn't have any money to get something at the function Aww. instead of keeping it for herself. Let's see. Um, Abby was also an eighth grader at, you know, Delphi Community Middle. Uh, she played volleyball and saxophone and loved painting and photography. And she was very excited to be joining Libby on the softball team for the first time. Um, Abby was a huge animal lover. Uh, convinced her mother, Anna, who was allergic to cats, to take in a stray. Oh. They named it Bongo. Oh, Bongo. And the most famous photo of Abby shows her with a polka-dotted hat at one of Anna's cousin's bridal shower. Um, in an interview with Fox 59, Anna, Abby's mother, mentioned that she remembers making those hats with Abby. Oh. And so... We're going to take a brief break here, and then we'll get into the suspects and evidence that go into this case. Brief break.
So I've already talked about the photos and the video on Libby's phone. Uh, there was also a famous recording that the police released early on in their search. Uh, I'm going to play it for you guys now. I just played it for Katie. So listen here now. All right, so like you can hear, you can hear kind of a couple of different things in it. I know it's not a very long recording, but this is the recording that goes along with this case. Uh, you hear Libby recording the guy that's taking them wherever, say, guys down the hill, guys down the hill, guys down the hill. Uh, it is like a loop recording. It's not the guy saying it repeatedly. Um, the secrecy of the Carroll County Sheriff's Department makes it hard to know if this is all that the recording said, if this is all that they have or what it is. It, this is one of those things that's like super speculated on, on how much Libby actually recorded, um, what all they got off of her phone, things of that nature. Uh, but they clearly have some sort of strategy to getting their guy and they're incredibly picky on what information they release, like so freaking picky, which was good at the beginning because they had a couple of different suspects. Uh, if any other, any other time, like a year ago, if we did this podcast, this podcast would be so different because we'd have to go through a lot of different suspects, but it's actually been narrowed down very greatly. Hmm. So we'll get into that here in a little bit um but at the very beginning of it these the police were like like i said earlier it's a small town news travels fast they were like guys don't spread rumors about all this stuff he's like they're like if we go and search somebody's place that does not make them a suspect we're just looking for something yeah and so they're like try not to chitter chatter about it we're not implicating anybody by searching somewhere we're, we're just trying to figure out what happened to these two girls so don't know how much of this don't know how much of this audio clip actually exists but this is what we have girls down the hill girls down the hill girls down the hill um and two sketches have been released since 2017 we'll have both of those up on the instagram and twitter pages if y'all want to see those uh actus reus which was a website that i used they had like a very helpful timeline of everything that went on with this uh they were super helpful in putting together this podcast um, mentioned that a podcast by the name of Best Case, Worst Case. Um, in, there was one time that the host, Jim Clemente, who served at the FBI's behavioral, who served in the FBI's behavioral analysis unit for a while, uh, he hosts that podcast and his co-host is Francie Hakes who is the nation's first national coordinator for child exploitation prevention cool. speculated awesome. that because they, they pointed out that these two sketches were two different people. These were not the same guy. Really? So it wasn't like we did this sketch and then they released another sketch in 2019 saying, whoops, we got it wrong. They said that this is, these are two different people with these sketches. And so, uh, Clemente and Hakes speculated. And the only reason that this website mentions it is because they believe that these two people are qualified enough to make this 
uh, you know, come to this conclusion was that they likely found the guy in the first sketch and decided that that wasn't their guy. And so they made a second sketch of it. Okay. Makes um, sense. Which does make sense. It's weird for that to happen with like a sketch. Yeah. But, you know, they've specified that these are two different people. These are not the same person. Okay. Um, and so many names have been thrown out as suspects to the murders of Abby and, Le Abby and Libby. Uh, Paul Etter, who was wanted for kidnapping and raping a 26-year-old woman, was a suspect. He ended up killing himself in a standoff. Oh, gosh. Um, Daniel Nations was a big one for a while. There's a lot of people that believe that Daniel Nations did it. He was a registered sex offender who was arrested for threatening strangers with a hatchet. Oh on my. a trail in Colorado. Well, that's terrifying. Um, that's why I don't go hiking. And he had been doing this around. <laughs> that's why you don't go hiking. <laughs> that's one of the many reasons why I don't go hiking. <laughs> it's hard to say that that fear is irrational. We just talked about a guy who did it in Colorado. Dude, all my fears are very rational to me. <laughs> Good gracious. So he'd been doing this around the same time a person was found shot and killed on this trail as well. And, you know, there's a lot of similarities between that, too, because, like, clearly, clearly this guy is sexually deviant. And on top of that, he was found on a trail. At the end, Nations was linked as a suspect due to the similarities between the case. But Indiana authorities officially announced that he was no longer a person of interest in 2018. So like a year later, uh, a year after the murders, he was kind of, he's like, they're like, he's, he's just not our guy. Yeah. Okay. Um, Thomas Bruce was a former pastor who was charged with shooting one woman. Oh my. And sexually assaulting two others in the back of a St. Louis pastoral supply shop. Stop. He donned a hat and blue jacket and was between the ages of 18 and 40 and was around five foot seven to five foot nine, which a lot of those things factor together. You're also between the ages of 18 and 40. I think most, this is why I don't, I don't wear a blue jacket and a hat. Oh, okay. Now, also, don't kill somebody in a pastoral supply shop. Um, so this caught the attention of media in the midwest and he was considered uh but he doesn't seem like he was ever like seriously considered for a person of interest in this case and now this is where we get to the very interesting stuff with this one so this case has had two very recent developments um the minor news that have come out in recent months about this case was that the suspect in the photo was wearing a subaru jacket okay um, which sounds like nothing at first, but Subaru has come out and says the only people that would have that jacket are people Employees? that work with Subaru oh. or people that have to like know somebody that yeah. works for Subaru. I was going to say, that's a really random jacket. It's a very random jacket. Cause I mean, I mean, honestly, what are the odds that somebody's just going to go buy a Subaru jacket? Yeah. In the first, you know what I mean? I don't know if they'd even sell that. Uh, they don't. Subaru doesn't sell this type of jacket. Subaru came out and said, you have to be employed by us to have this type of jacket. Oof. Um, so that was a very recent development that was very big at the time that they identified something in this photo that Libby took as significant. Um, and the second piece of information comes from the Instagram handle Anthony Shots. 
So Anthony underscore shots. At first glance at this Instagram, you'll see a lot of pictures of some shirtless dude who's pretty well built and portrayed himself as a fairly wealthy guy with a whole lot of cars and stuff. A Subaru car? <laughs> I don't think that there was a Subaru car. And it's hard to even tell now because that account's gone private. Oh, uh, okay. So that's like a whole other thing, too. He's suspicious. Indiana State Police Public Information Officer Jeremy Pierce made an announcement, which this was interesting in itself. Because like I said earlier, uh, Toby Lazenby was the guy who had been doing, who had been the main source of contact for this case for a long time, the Carroll County Sheriff. Mm -hmm. And uh, Kim Riley, who was the PIO, was also doing a lot of the media stuff now. And so now you have a completely different guy making this announcement out of the blue four years later. Do they say why the other guy is not there? They did not say. But this is, they went from Carroll County to Indiana State. So this dude's with the Indiana State Police. Okay, okay. Um, so he made the announcement that they were looking for information connected to this account and the accompany the accompanying Snapchat account under the same tag because there were multiple individuals soliciting nude photos from minors through DMs on this account. Oh. The strangest part of this development is that they already had the guy that operated the account in custody. This individual's name is Keegan Anthony Klein. Uh, Klein was already in prison due to 30 counts of child solicitation, child exploitation, and child pornography, but they were still asking the public for screenshots of conversations with this at Anthony underscore shots Instagram account and things of that nature. Strange, right? Yeah. I'm very confused. Um, in a Fox 59 article from last week, it was reported that Klein had given the passwords to his Instagram to a whole lot of people, including his father, Tony Klein. So there were passwords to this Anthony underscore shots account to Instagram, Snapchat, and Kick, which I honestly didn't know still existed. <laughs> I didn't either. If you're listening to this and somebody tries to give you their Kick, don't accept it. They're wanting they're wanting pictures of you or they're trying to solicit drugs. Yeah, so don't. don't don't mess with somebody on <laughs> Kick Messenger. Any rational person would have a cell phone. Yeah, really. Just don't mess with it. So multiple people had this Instagram, multiple people had this login, but his father also had it. His father's name is Tony. Um, and Keegan mentioned to a reporter for HLN News by the name of Barbara McDonald that his father was incredibly abusive and once pulled a gun on him and that his father had also been arrested before for assaulting his former stepmother. Uh, he also mentions that his father was into 17-year-olds, yeah. which is gross. <laughs> uh, and Fox 59 released information from a transcript conversation between investigators and Keegan Klein. If you go to this article from Fox 59. Keegan's the son. Keegan is the son okay. that they have in jail. Okay. Um, if you go to this Fox 59 article, there is like a 130 something page transcript of a conversation between Keegan and investigators. Okay. Fully transcribed. Um, 
in the transcript that they confirmed that they believe that Libby was being groomed by whoever was running the Anthony Schatz account and that Libby was, in their words, enthralled with him. So she was in contact with the guy running the Anthony Schatz account and like they were talking back and forth and she was just all over it. She was just loving it. There's also information surrounding the Kleins, both of them, both Tony and Keegan. That's just like sus, sus beyond belief. Like what? Uh, so first off, Keegan failed the polygraph question when asked if he knew who killed the girls. I know how much you trust the polygraph. Yeah, I don't, but it's always so suspicious if you fail. <laughs> it's, <But> like, <laughs> it's one of those things that's like, it could mean nothing, but I want it to mean something. It's got to mean something. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's sus. Yeah, but... But it's a polygraph test. I don't think I'd pass. I think my anxiety would get to me, and I don't think I'd pass one. So let's just let's just take the polygraph test. We'll blow it up, throw it away. Yeah. Keegan also deleted his phone search history between February 10th and February 15th, 2017. Hate that. <laughs> yeah. That's weird. Yeah. Once again, if that's not good enough for you, we can keep we can keep going on with it. If even if he deletes his uh, search history, can they not somehow go in and find it? I guess not. Interesting. But he, he cleared his search history between the 10th and the 15th. If that's not good enough for a year, we'll ball that one up and throw it away too. Mm -hmm. Keegan went from denying that he talked to the girls in this transcript altogether to saying he received pictures from another girl that they were hanging out with that night. Oh. So he went from, I've never talked to those girls in my life to, well, I wasn't talking to them. There was someone that they were hanging out with that I was talking to. So now he's gone from, so the polygraph isn't good enough for you or the cleared internet search history. We've now got him completely changing his story mid-interview with this investigator. Um, what's odd about this interview that he had with HLN, so he was interviewed, of course, by an investigator. And then there was somebody named Barbara McDonald that interviewed him from another news source. Um, that Keegan mentions that the investigators told him that they knew it was his father that killed these girls and that they would drop his charges if he admitted to it. <laughs> so he told, he tells the news people that about this, right? Mm -hmm. And while he doesn't seem to do that, he implicates his father a lot in this transcript. Yeah. So like he doesn't he doesn't take any sort of deal that they offer him, but boy, when he gets behind a microphone, he sure is quick to talk about his dad. He goes as far as to say that his dad is a hunter of similar size to the guy in the photo and would be able to walk around in the woods pretty well. Uh that's like, like it wouldn't be. It, it looks like the guy, looks like the guy in the photo is about the same size as the guy in the photo. If he was in the woods, it wouldn't be strange for him to know what he was doing out there because he's a hunter. He's pretty, uh, pretty accommodated with that area. He also says that his father freaked out when Keegan was first named as a suspect in 2017. 
And to me, this is giving off similar vibes to the Jam Master J murder that we covered when the guys basically got found out and then just started making these weird random stories. Yeah. yeah. So, like, they're just going back and forth on, like, what all is, is like... Like I said, he's gone already gone back and forth on if he's even talked to the girls. And now he's like, oh, my dad, my dad, my dad, my dad, my dad. Um, if you go look at the sketches, like, honestly, you can Google Tony Klein and the sketch will pop up of Tony and the sketch. They do look similar. Okay. I will give it that. Uh, we will post these up on the Instagram. <laughs> so don't think that everything with it, like a lot of the stuff in this case is very visual. You do you would have to look at photos and things like that. Uh, but we will have all those up in one place for you if you're looking to read into that more. Like I said, the entire transcript of this is up. They even say at one point um, that they know for a fact that he talked to her and invited her out to the bridge. And he's like, no, I never invited her out to the bridge. And then he goes to, yeah, I actually set up a meeting with him and they didn't show. So the son said that? The son said that. Oh man. He just like placed himself right there. So it's one of those, it's like, it's like I set up a meeting with him, but they never showed up to the meeting that I had with him. Mm. Is kind of what he says. So there's a lot of, a lot of very interesting things that goes into this case. And I truly believe that we're going to see a resolution of this case very, very soon. Um, unfortunately, that is all the information oh. that we have now for these murders. Like I said, they have been very secretive. Like the investigators of this have been very secretive as to what comes out. I want to know if he worked at Subaru. I looked, I could not find really? anything, but I was like, I did a lot of yeah. deep diving and there's a lot of message boards about this that are also like, did Tony work for Subaru? I've got to know. And I was like, I don't know, message boards. Did Tony work for Subaru? I want to know too. And unfortunately, we we just don't know. Um, Interesting. And so I have a feeling that this is not the only time this year that we will talk about Abby and Libby. Oh, that's just so sad. I have a feeling that we might get a resolution on this case this year because they seem like they're very close to getting what they are needing out of this, especially since they let this transcript out. Yeah, that's um, just so sad. It is a very absolutely sad case. I feel very much for the families. Um, Kelsey, if for whatever reason you're listening to this, you keep on keeping on, girl. <laughs> um, yes. All of us couch detectives out here are like fully behind you. Um, and we look forward to seeing justice for your family. Anna, if you're listening to this, the same thing to you. We're fully in support of you and your family and just hope that you can get justice for your little girl. Um, yeah. But like I said, I am genuinely convinced that this is not the only time that we will talk about these girls this year. I'm hoping that later on this year that we can come onto this podcast and be like, hey, guys, they got them. Yeah. Um, so if there is anything that any of our listeners have here, like if for whatever reason any of our listeners have been in contact with this Anthony underscore shots 
Instagram, Snapchat, or Kick account, and you have any sort of like documentation on like screenshots, anything like that, uh, contact the Carroll County Sheriff's Department in Indiana. They're still very much looking for it. They're still building their case. Um, you can call them at 765-822-3535 or email Abby and Libby Tip at C-A-C-O-S-H-R-F.com um, for anything that you have. Now, Katie, where can people get in contact with us? Uh, Instagram and Twitter. And where can they find us on Instagram? Uh, to have and to homicide. And you can get in touch with us at THTH podcast on Twitter. Once again, we'll have, we'll have, you know, the sketches on there. We'll have the picture of Keegan Anthony Klein that's been circulating around a whole lot. Uh, of course, photos of Abby and Libby um, and the photos that they had on the, the trail as well that are very famous now in relation to this case. So until next time, Katie, do you have any final remarks? Nope. That is, that's it. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys stay safe, stay alive, and stay awesome. Bye.